welcome to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner. Where the banter's as ferocious, LeBronny James Jr.'s dunk on that U18 French team, man. That was vicious with the left hand, or with the right hand. He's got to do, I, I think it was the right hand. I think people were uh, clowning him saying his dad would have done it with the left hand. You know how you know how the, the world is these days, but you know he's got to do something to get his draft stock up. Got to land right in the perfect spot so the Lakers can get him in you know a couple years. Yeah, exactly. You know, with LeBron's extension, man, he's got to go to the Lakers at this point because LeBron James can't can't leave now at this point. I mean, it's crazy to think about the guy's going to be making over $50 million a year at almost 40 years old, like, still one of the best players in the world, so he deserves his money. But, man, what a long- longevity. What, what a craziness that is LeBron James. Dude, he is, you know he's the GOAT. You know, you know it. One player, start your team. I'm sorry, Michael. Just one player, give me LeBron James. Every day, all day, I don't even care. One of these days, we'll get back into the GOAT debate. Whenever LeBron retires, we'll we'll have to figure it out again, Matt. But, I mean, we could return to our takes. You know, they're all just sizzling. They're waiting for next season. Not really much to say this week about them. Well, I mean, like, once we do the Atlantic preview, like, it's going to become very painfully obvious to Knicks fans that they're definitely going to miss the playoffs. Um, so, I mean, we're doing others before we get there. I think we wanted to save the Atlantic for the last. Um, so, you know, before we get into the Southwest Division, man, did you want to talk anything about the NBA before? I mean, I'm just pumped that we got the schedule released. I know that we as NBA fans have just been frothing at the mouth. We just, we need more content. We need information. We're, we're uh, hanging out, watching Ben Simmons in a candy store videos. Like, there's there's nothing going on right now. But, hey. Preseason games are going to start at the end of September. Regular season, you know, October 19th is the Raps home opener. So I'm looking forward to a couple of weeks. What, we've got eight weeks, nine weeks now till the regular season? Yeah, I think uh, only seven weeks till, you know, preseason starts. So not too bad at this point. We're going to get some NBA games back. Uh, but, yeah, definitely itching for it. It's nice to have that that schedule release, though, so that we all know when it's, when it's going to happen, man. Um... Did you want to talk any any of the games that caught your eye, maybe? Or I mean, the Christmas games, obviously, they catch everyone's eye. Uh, I will say, before talking about the Christmas games, I do want to shout out the NBA because they're limiting back-to-backs this season. There's like some statistics that have been taken up where like since 2014, every team is down like six back-to-back games. It's like 31%, oh, so we're looking out well for the players. I'm excited. The Spurs apparently have like a historic amount, or sorry, not the Spurs, the Clippers. The Clippers have a historic amount of like the least amount of back-to-backs ever, so you know, the league really looking out for Kawhi Leonard and and, and his needs, but you know, I, I think that with 2,000 miles less traveled on average for each team this season, that hopefully we can have a healthy basketball season with the best possible games, because that's what I want. Matt knows, me and injuries, we do not get along. And honestly, I think over the last, like, five, six years specifically, um, at least from what I remember, is there has been a bigger push to bring the NBA regular season down in games uh, because we're getting all these playoff games and playoff players, you know, like Kawhi, like Paul George, like Anthony Davis, who get hurt once we get there. And, I mean, as basketball fans, we want to see the best players go up against each other. You could say that the last three championships that have been won have theoretically had something to do even four championships have had something to do with injuries right i mean you go back to us 
if, if Kevin Durant's healthy, Clay Thompson's healthy, you know, maybe the Raptors don't win. Uh, you go back to the bubble. If we don't have that bubble season, like yeah. there's no chance. Uh, well, I mean, there's still a chance that LeBron and AD pull it together. But, hey, man, they'd have to stay healthy through the regular season, which they've shown they can't do. Um, you know, the fact that the Bucks won, again, Anthony Davis injury in the first round to Phoenix. Phoenix goes all the way, loses to Giannis. And Let's then last also not year... Forget, before you go ahead, I want to also mention the Kaminsky injury in that series. You know, the Phoenix Suns were doing so well against that Bucks. The Sarge. Until, oh, Sarge, yes, exactly. Because Kaminsky had to play for him. <laughs> then, yeah, Kaminsky got eaten alive. But exactly, right? Like, even in that yeah. series alone, there was a defining injury that helped. I mean, Giannis was going to do Giannis things, but still... And then Chris Middleton this year, like, you know, Bucks can't get past Boston because of it. Do the Bucks with Chris Middleton beat the Golden State Warriors? My vote is yes. Um, but, hey, we never know, right? So I, th- I think there's been this big talk about it. So the, it's really good to see the NBA kind of, like, really honing in on the back-to-backs and the, the less travel so that they can, you know, rest up and, and get a full season of, of healthy players. Because it's, man, it's what we want to see. Absolutely. The fans want games. The players want games. The owners want games. Everyone just wants the best possible content at the end of the day. But I think it's time, you know, we can talk about the Christmas games real quick. We can laugh about how the 76ers and the Knicks are a rivalry and are going to have a Christmas Day game. But really, it's it's two good games on the ends and then a couple of games smashed in the middle. Dude, I, I just want to touch on the Philadelphia versus the Knicks game. Like, I get that New York is the mecca of basketball. It hasn't been the mecca of basketball for years, okay, guys? Um, the last time you guys were good, I can't I can't tell you because that Julius Randle season, that was a mirage. Um, but at the end of the day, it should have been the Raptors, man. The Raptors versus the 76ers on Christmas Day, Pascal Siakam versus Joel Embiid. Literally, you know, Embiid hurts Scotty Barnes, breaks his ankle, and Pascal Siakam breaks his face, like, what more do you want in terms of rivalry than a, two teams that just went up against each other in the playoffs, man? There's a lot of big market favoritism that's happening here. I mean, Bucks Celtics is going to be a great game. Grizzlies Warriors is going to be a great game. Suns Nuggets could have potential to be awesome right in the middle. But Lakers Mavs is, you know, the media narrative of LeBron versus Luka. And then 76ers Knicks is just big market you gotta give a Knicks a Christmas game because everyone in New York wants to watch yeah it's man I just I don't think it's it's smart by the NBA but hey man if they're gonna do it they're gonna do what they want to do um like there's just like very very you know few and far between like games that I really want to watch on Christmas day now because of that so like I guess I'll tune in for you know Dallas versus LA I guess I mean, you know, you're doing nothing else. You gotta watch LeBron continue his streak. This man doesn't get to spend Christmas with his family for another year. It's basically since he was like 18, 19 years old. But when you're the GOAT, when you're that good, that's how it's gonna be, man. So yeah, I mean, I'll tune into Christmas games, let's be honest. It's it's Christmas time. It's kind of tradition at this point in time. But we will see. Absolutely. Hopefully they won't have to change any around. I'm pretty sure there were major injuries last year. There was like one game that had to get switched, if I remember correctly. But that's in the past. Yeah, man, it's in the past, you know, no more COVID, hopefully, even though, you know, NBA players still can't enter Canada if they're not vaccinated. Uh, Keep that going. Let's go. (laughs) Give us, you know, competitive advantage. (laughs) But I think, man, we've talked about the the schedule a little bit. You want to break down the Southwest teams. Uh, That's where we're going to start. You know, last year, 
it was like an up-and-coming division. We knew the Spurs were taking a step back. You knew Houston was going to be bad. Um, but you really had three teams who, you know, really thought that they could emerge. And, hey, man, all three made the playoffs. Dallas, New Orleans, and Memphis. I mean, New Orleans snuck in uh, doing it for the for your boy. But, hey, they still got there. It's a fun division at this point in time, right? Because nobody's really thought about the Southwest. Like, obviously, James Harden and the Rockets went on that crazy eight-year stretch where they were the only team that made the playoffs. Sorry, the only team that didn't not make the playoffs. Gosh, really killing it with those words right now. (laughs) Flowing out of the tongue. But so when you think about this division, you're like, well, we haven't really worried about the Pelicans because besides the Anthony Davis situation and Zion being healthy, they've been not really relevant. The Mavericks were faltering since their 2011 situation, since Dirk and... Now that they have Luka, they're back on the table. I mean, do I need to talk about the Grizzlies? It's the same story with Jaw, right? And the Spurs are in a rebuild, and the Rockets are doing what they do, but there's some fun stuff going on with these five teams, and a lot of the fan bases are probably just itching and waiting for their return to glory because that looks like the roadway for a lot of them. Well, yeah, and they've got three of the future potential top ten players in this league. And, I mean, between the Spurs and the Rockets, who are both going to be bad this year, one of them could land Victor Wembenyana, who, you know, everybody is, you know, all over. You know, he's comparing – he literally is comparing himself to KD and Giannis. So if the kid's got that kind of mentality, maybe he will be, you know, the number one player in the NBA at one point. But this could be crazy, man. Um, I do want to talk about the Spurs, though. Because I think with Greg Popovich where he is, with this roster where it is, do you think that like potentially he should just kind of take a step back and retire? Um, because I think that they've just got to go tank and build a whole new ecosystem around new young players. I mean, selling DeJounte really proved that this team was ready for their next step, right? Like, obviously... A lot of people will rip on the DeJounte trade and be like, how could you How could you get rid of somebody that good? Honestly, it shows what the Spurs realize where they're at because DeJounte is the type of player that alone isn't going to be enough, right? You have to have enough young pieces in his timeline to make it work, and the Spurs don't really have that at this point in time. Uh, I will say congratulations. Uh, you got rid of Gallinari. You know, I'm proud of that organization for that step. You know, sorry, sorry, Danilo, but you will always be, you know, in my firing range at this point in time. Ever since that Mohawk and that decision with the Atlanta Hawks, but yeah, the Spurs—they're looking to the future, right? And I'll bring it up every time. You know, Quinn Snyder might be the replacement for Popovich. It might be time for Popovich to step down and. If they get Wembenyana, maybe Pop finds 10 years of life and is like, ooh, a new rookie that I can take all the way. But the Spurs are ready to reset, and I I just don't see any other direction. Absolutely, man. I mean, you nailed it right on the head with the DeJounte trade. They're signaling that they're going to be a bad team, and I think that's the right decision, right? I think the worst thing that you can do in sports is be mediocre. It's why I'm not so high on the Gobert trade. It's not because I don't think that they're going to be a good NBA team, but mediocre is, you know, hitting the second round, third round. Yes, you're a top four team in the NBA, but if you're never going to be there at the very pinnacle, the, the peak, you're in purgatory, basically, man. And, like, at the end of the day, you may as well take a step back, go to the bottom, reload, you know, get your players... Keldon Johnson looks like, you know, he's a good young player. He's going to, I bet you his stats are going to blow up this year without DeJounte Murray. He's going to be a great fantasy basketball player. Um, I I hate that I gave you that advice, but, you know, (laughs) 
he's he's going to be like a low low round pick that is going to pop off this year is what I believe. Um, but the Spurs are going to be bad, and I think that's exactly where they need to be. I think you know this roster they added some decent players in the draft. Um, you know I don't love Jeremy Sochan, but when the Spurs are drafting. I kind of think that they're gonna they're gonna hit on their players. Like Dejounte was a late round pick. He was picked after Pascal. Keldon's a late round pick. Um, you know they just they're they're able to draft and develop really well. That's it's it was the model organization for the last you know twenty plus years, especially when they had Tim Duncan. Right? They have so much history behind them, and that's why you believe in their success and to get a top ten pick. There's hope, right? But you have to just look at the teams around them as well to see the direction that they should follow, right? Look at the Rockets and their young picks. You know, they're not relevant yet, but if they could add a Wembenyana to a Jabari Smith and a a Green, like, what a big three of young kids that is a DeJounte plus friends that can take you all the way. John Morant, how early was he? Luca arguably should have been the number one pick, right? Zion, the number one pick. So, I mean, all you have to do is look around you to see that, you know, the Spurs, they're not the team in this division anymore. They are ready to rebuild, and if they can land more studs, I mean, the future is up for them. Yeah, man, because, like, you land that one franchise change of player, and then you become the Dallas Mavericks, right? Like, a team that goes to the Western Conference Finals on the back of, you know, I would argue he is a top five player at worst, uh, in the NBA, and it could easily have the most talent in the NBA currently. Um, like, man, who else are you picking the team to build around at this point? Like, <laughs> give me a player. I, I don't even know. I give you Ja, I give you Luca, I give you Giannis, because he's still kind of young. But that's the thing, right? Like, Luca proved himself. He had a Jordan-esque, a LeBron-esque run early in his career he finally got over the demons of facing the clippers in the first round you know and we were happy we we love luca on this podcast we're excited for the mavericks now we have to talk about their direction and where it will go because most importantly boban is gone the smiling face the happy tall giant is gone and everyone's sad about it but yeah let's not forget he takes up a roster spot and his usefulness well it does exist it is very limited so let's talk about the other big that has joined this roster let's talk about christian wood a player who is good maybe could be great and will definitely benefit from a player like luca to raise his ceiling to be greater than good but will he be enough is it just going to be another christoph situation like the mavericks have really got to figure out who's going to run with luca because if they don't and kind of crazy to think about it's it's kind of crazy to think that you know christian wood is this you know he's definitely a scoring upgrade on any of the bigs that they've had over the past couple years i mean maxi kleba and and dwight powell aren't up to his standard and the chris ops prisingus thing was just it was a failed experiment um the only thing that i can think about though is you know the the Mavericks really started to take off because they started to lean on that defensive identity that they built. Mm-hmm. Um, and with having Luca, who is arguably one of the worst defenders in the NBA, and like no offense to Luca, he does a lot on the offensive end. He's got to conserve it on the defensive end, and he looks sometimes lackadaisical and, and unengaged out there. Yeah, Christian Wood is also that type of player. He is also a lackadaisical non 
defensive-minded player, not a two-way kind of guy. They're both one-way players. I don't know if that's going to really affect the way that they play and if they're going to be able to take the leap that they anticipate with Christian Wood because they're going to be lacking the other side of the floor. You know, basketball is probably like a 65-35 proposition, but you still got to really, you know, hammer home that 35%. Look at the look at the Celtics, look at the Golden State Warriors, man, the two best defenses in the NBA and in the NBA Finals. I mean, he lays it out for us all. Defense wins championships. It will always be a factor. You can't get away from it. But yeah, the Mavericks have to figure it out. And when you throw in uh, Spencer Dinwiddie to that equation and you think about the offensive ball-moving potential, sure. But exactly, you can't forget about the defense. You can't forget about what else will happen. You know, JaVel McGee, going to be a useful player on this team, but also an aged guy, a veteran who knows his stuff. Kind of the replacement for Boban at this point in time. And, you know, I can look to their draft pick in Jaden Hardy. I, I like the kid. I like his name. You know, 37th overall. I'm pretty sure he fell compared to where he would have been three, four years ago, right? So you never know with this Mavericks team. Cuban tends to know what he's doing. You know, he did get Luka. He's figured out his next steps. But, you know, it's it's the final steps now. You know, they've proven themselves with their, their, their run. But I just... I, I want more for Luca. It makes me sad still in the situation that he's in. And, you know, like you said, man, Cuban has been very good at getting that piece, right? Like, he got Dirk. He got Luca. What he's struggled with is putting the final pieces around them. Yep. Um, you know, even with Dirk Nowitzki, I mean, how long was Dirk Nowitzki a top 10 player for the Dallas Mavericks? And they have one championship to show for it. I mean, arguably, it's one of the most historic amazing championships for one superstar one individual superstar to take his team all the way but i mean they only ever got one yeah so are they going to be able to put the pieces around luca i think that's you know what time will tell i think having tim hardaway jr hopefully come back and play um will help out i just i don't know if they have enough defensive identity anymore um you know, their offense is going to be fine, but Luka's really got to come in and really show himself on the defensive end. And to add to that point also, we haven't discussed Jalen Brunson. We haven't discussed, you know, them losing Sterling Brown and Trey Burke. You know, there are some holes to fill. There are new opportunities in this Mavericks team. But at the end of the day, that's what the Mavericks have to figure out. They're rinse and repeating time and time again and that's kind of what you do with a superstar right if it's not working out you find new pieces and you make it work because he has the potential we saw them go as far as they did on the back of one man one man you know i joke about damian lillard being the guy that was pushing the rock up the hill by himself well i don't want to start saying it but luca is becoming that guy who's pushing that rock up the hill by himself yeah i think his name is sisyphus <laughs> yeah <laughs> man and you know what, man? Taking a flyer on the like 37th pick, you know, Jaden Hardy, who was the number two player coming out of high school. Like, that's a... He went to the G League, didn't necessarily pop the way everyone thought he was going to. I think the G League is getting to the point where it's almost harder than college basketball. Like, I think these... Because, you know, you've got guys who have two-way NBA contracts, who have played in the league, who maybe could be on an NBA roster, but... Um, you know, for whatever reason, are playing in the G League, and now you're asking a 19-year-old player who may not be 
ready to go in and play against them or an 18 year old kid whereas he could play against the 23 year olds who are in college basketball and and make a big impact so i think you know it's never great to see a player fall that far there's obviously a reason that he fell that far but taking the flyer on him man if luca can you know help him out show him a few things you know he could be great that's the thing. You have to realize that there are so many paths, right? From the Fred Van Vliet paths to the first overall pick pass to the Nicole Jokic paths, right? Like, there is so many ways to get into the show, to get into the NBA and play their games. And the Mavericks need to find a couple of, uh, you know, 16, 17-year-old kids that want to play with Luka, maybe. That Like, uh, there's not much more that I need to say about the Mavericks at this point in time. Like, they are what they are. We know what they can be, right? Because of yeah. the player like Luka. And until they put it together and start making it working this conversation is just rinse and repeating itself over and over yeah and i think honestly a team that you know we know what dallas is we know kind of what their ceiling is at this point and we don't think it's championship level until they they sign that second superstar i think a team that like could potentially have championship aspirations this year is the new orleans pelicans if everything goes well i know i've been pushing them for the last two years i've been really high on them i'm really high on zion but i think the fact that they were in the playoffs with cj mccullum brandon ingram and um you know that like that was the rotation their like main pieces now you're adding zion into that like, come on, man. Jonas Valanciunas, you know we love Jonas on this show, man. Um, I think, honestly, if they finished ahead of Dallas in this season standings, I wouldn't be shocked. They are probably the biggest cluster bomb in this group. The biggest unknown, the biggest potential. Because as we've seen from Zion, he can be unstoppable. And I'm not even talking what we know he can do, which is being the rim-dominant beast, the Shaq-like monster he can be. Matt, I'll still never forget coming home from the ski hill to watch that first game of his when he hit, like, four three-pointers back-to-back, you know? Kid's special. And that team has good quality talent that has proven they can play with each other. So when you add in a potential healthy superstar in Zion, if he can stay healthy... The sky's the limits for this Pelicans team, and I would love to join you on the bandwagon, man. There's a lot of good players that I would love to see find playoff success. Dude, there's room. There's room. They haven't done anything yet to, to make it too crowded on the bandwagon, <laughs> so you're welcome to join, man. We're st- I've, I've been really early. You can just be early. <laughs> but, man, I'm honestly, I, I'm thinking with this kind of roster, I mean, uh, Jose Alvarado on defense – um, I think Dyson Daniels is going to be really good eventually. Um, definitely worth the top 10 pick. Devontae Graham, you know, I was I was happy that they picked him up last year. Yep. Larry Nance Jr. at some points during the playoffs was one of their most impactful players uh, just in terms of what he was able to do on the defensive end and all-around game. Um, they've got, you know, we've already mentioned Jonas and CJ and Brandon. Like, they have a good, good squad. And if they, you know, end up, fourth third in the western conference like because zion's played a full healthy season at mvp level play because that's basically what he was as a rookie is mvp caliber play and brandon ingram takes another step and cj mccollum is now more integrated like man i love this roster i think it's so good i just hope that like yeah the pelicans don't do what the pelicans do and mess it up and the to add to that, right, what, what really gives me confidence is the fact that 
of the of all the teams in this division, and also like the three-headed top of this division, they have no major losses. They don't have a major bullet out of the chamber that is no longer a part of that team. They only added young kids, kids that could be good, kids that could find room on their roster. The worst thing is that Tony Snell is a free agent still, and maybe they don't need to bring back Tony Snell, right? Like, the Pelicans have created some chemistry last year. They've moved past the Anthony Davis situation. They said, no, Brooklyn, we will not give you Brandon Ingram. He is too good for Kevin Durant. I'm proud of this organization for for standing up that way. Like, they have... They, they see it, right? Like, we as Raptors fans can see what our team is building. And Pelicans fans, I think, are witnessing a similar situation. And they're that close. They're a healthy Zion away, like you said, from making a pretty good playoff run. And they have the draft capital to be set up for the next decade. Like, they, if they play it right, they can become one of the model franchises in the NBA. Because not only do they have their own draft picks, they got a heck of a bunch of LA draft picks that they get to use yep. like it's it's ridiculous what this team has in terms of assets to build for the future and how young their players are I, like I'm pretty sure Brandon Ingram's still one of the youngest players um I think he was the youngest player in that draft and like he's probably like what 23 at this point 24 I think like he's but he's still so young man mm-hmm. like it's crazy to think that you know Zion at 21 him at 24 and like now they've got Dyson Daniels um you know a pretty good supporting cast like I think the sky's the limit for them man and they just historically haven't been able to do it you know and they had an Anthony Davis level player they had Drew Holiday they they still collapse that so I mean we're we were talking I think a year or two ago about this idea of when Zion was really hitting his unhealthy phase right of is this just an Anthony Davis situation are we gonna rinse and repeat is Zion not gonna sign it so he can take his qualifying offer and then go where he wants I mean a year ago I was talking about how he needs to go to the Knicks and join Cam and RJ don't join the Knicks we know what the Knicks is as a franchise but yeah the Pelicans man I'm excited for them. I think that they're going to be sneaky good. I think that nobody is thinking about them right now. You know, we talked about Zion's contract and how that's, I think, really going to push him and really help him to be the star that this team needs him to be. And, man, wouldn't it be exciting if the Pelicans had a Grizzly-esque season, you know, from last year and just showed up and shocked the world? I I would be pumped. Uh, And, again, like, if we were to go back to last season when we were breaking this division down – the conversation wasn't, you know, is Jaw better than Zion? It was, is Zion better than Luca? Yeah. And at this point, you know, everyone has Jaw and Luca over Zion. We'll see, man. You know, a, a year makes a huge difference in the NBA. Um, so I have full faith that they're gonna they're gonna pull it together and be one of the top teams in the NBA. But uh, you know, Houston out here, they're definitely sticking to the bottom. Um, I think Jabari Smith is a great piece to add i think um jalen green is is you know a great scorer he really showed off at the end of last year but like what like they gotta break that roster down and and just keep keep failing for you know next draft pick after next draft pick after next draft pick because man they got nothing else besides those two guys i mean he he hits it pretty well there I do kind of like the Rockets. I think I'm a little bit higher on the Rockets than Matt is for the simple fact that I I think that Jabari Smith is going to fit in well. You know, Jalen Green has proved that maybe he doesn't need to be the ball handler. Maybe he needs to just be a shooter. 
and if he can turn into a Clay Thompson type player and Jabari can be a ball handler and with them no longer needing John Wall, needing John Wall, right? And and Christian Wood, their main scorer, leaving, like there's going to be opportunity. And the nice thing about opportunity when you're on a team that isn't expected to win is that you can take your shots. You can be inefficient, right? And so we're going to yeah. get to see a lot from this team and they are going to lose, but if they could get a Wembignana, if they can get a top couple of picks over this year or next year, like they'll set themselves up for success, but compared to where they were a couple of years ago with James Harden, this is a real fall from grace for the Rockets organization. Man, it was it's a hard fall is, is what it is at this point, man. I mean, I like um, Alper, Alperin Sengun. Al, Alper, Alperin Sengun? That's pretty good, man. Al, well Alperin Sengun. Thanks, yeah. buddy. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, he, uh, he's got a lot of potential. Um, he's kind of flashing, like, a little bit of baby Jokic stuff, which is... Bit, yeah. It's kind of where, like, the center position is going right now, is you got to be able to handle the ball a little bit. you got to be able to make passes. Um, you got to be able to hit mid-range and, and play with your back to the basket. Like, you got to be able to do all everything. Um, and so he's kind of flashing that potential and ability. Um, I like that. I like Jabari Smith's three-point shot. Um, you know, it's it definitely the smoothest... Uh, coming out of this draft and one of the smoothest that we've seen in a really long time coming into the NBA. Um, but again, like they, they're going to need a lot more help in order to build, you know, that young core that like, you know, the Pelicans have or the Grizzlies have, Absolutely. or we have, you know, it's, it's going to take a lot. Um, what I'm still shocked about is Eric Gordon still being on this team, man. Eric Gordon's got to get himself onto a contender because this man is a valuable player. Like he could, he could help a roster win. Honestly, like if we traded Svi Mahailu for Eric Gordon, I would be jumping out of my chair, bro. Uh, for half a second, I forgot Eric Gordon existed on the face of this planet, and then I was like, "He's a great player!" Like you're so right, man. Like if if we can, if that's the last thing that we could say about the Rockets, really, is that Eric Gordon, we need to free this man because otherwise, there's not really much to say about this team. They are in a true hardcore rebuilding situation. Yeah, if they break twenty wins again this year, like that's that's their goal right so absolutely at, at the end of the day they're they're not going anywhere but man your favorite team the team that you're repping right now i mean i think we got to get to them i think oh, they're the yeah. class of this division at this point um they proved it last year but i think they're going to prove it again this year man where do you want to start with the grizzlies we talk, i feel like we talk about them every single week uh, I mean, I'll just quickly get it out of the way. You know, John Moran's going to have another amazing season. The guy's going to hopefully be in the top 10 conversation, maybe find a little bit of MVP conversation again. But no, I, I'm, I'm getting too far ahead of myself. The really right. important thing to discuss, Matt, is can they keep this success going? Will Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton, two strong role players that were a part of what was this jawless, amazing Grizzlies team, can they survive without them? Is there going to be enough? Like, can Danny Green rehab and be a good presence? Like, there's so many ways to go, but the most important thing is the Grizzlies need to just find that success from last season and keep it in a bottle and just keep it tucked away because they can do it again. I really believe it. Yeah, uh, man, I think, you know, what they did is they lost some some fringe depth, um, and depth was definitely one of their main strengths last year. I mean, I think, what, they, what were they, 24 and like four or seven yeah, without yeah, exactly. without John Morant when like he didn't play and like Kyle Slomo Anderson and uh, D'Anthony Melton are definitely 
important pieces in those rosters without John Morant. But if Jaw can stay healthy for the full season, um, with the continued development of like their current players like Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain, um, you know, they're still gonna be pushing, man. And I think this roster is it was built too well at this point to have, you know, I would like, you know, they're rotation level players. Um, I wouldn't call them starters on any team. And so, and they're like maybe the front half of the, of the like, you know, backups in terms of rotation. But like, I don't think that that's going to be enough to, to offset them and drop them from what was the second best team in the NBA. I mean, you you pretty much nailed it. And with Toe Jenkins getting his extension, right? Like, they're set up for success. Now, the real kink is Jaron Jackson's going to be out until November, October, December. We don't really know. But he's not going to be there probably for day one. And momentum is a huge thing in the NBA, especially for young kids, right? And if they get, you know, the teeth knocked out of them at the beginning of the season for the first few weeks, can they ride that momentum on the way back? The reason I say yes is because of a superstar like Ja. He has lightning in a bottle. He has the capability to turn this team around on a dime. And that's why I'm looking at a 50-win season from this team. That's why I'm looking at them continuing their relevance. People are joking about the Grizzlies-Warriors rivalry, and I'm like, yeah, it's a legitimate rivalry. It was one a great, great playoff series, but it's the old versus the new, right? Like, Ja has decided that if Luka is going to be the face of the West, he's going to be right there beside him. And I'm pumped for the Grizzlies to keep it going. No, man, he's he's pushing to be, you know, considered one of the, if not the top young player in the West. And, you know, I, we don't even talk about our favorite Canadians, Brandon Clark and, and Dylan Brooks. Yeah. So, like, I feel like this team is, like, especially when they had DeAnthony Melton and, and Kyle Anderson, they were, like, 10 deep, 11 deep in terms of, like, you know the the last six guys maybe they're not starters but they're front of the end bench guys like yeah you know they they would be on every other team's you know six or seven man rotation now they're gonna have like a nine man rotation and is that going to be able to be sustainable yes i i honestly believe that my biggest issue is that like jaw has shown that he has some some tendency to get hurt yeah um and that that would scare me as a franchise um but you got to live with the good and the bad, man. And this this kid plays out of the gym. Like, he is the athletic marvel, the ticket in the NBA when it comes to watching, uh, especially last year. I think Zion might take it back from him this year in terms of being box office. But, hey, man, um, when you got those two players, like, and, you know, Zion's the guy who's going to take it from you, you ain't doing too bad, that's for sure. Absolutely, and all things aside, Zion versus Jaw would be my favorite dunk contest ever. We'll never see it because they're both so injury prone, so we will never see it. But man, two absolute studs of basketball, and we'll see, man. The Grizzlies have 18 national TV games this year. It is the most in franchise history. Everybody is recognizing what they're here to do, and I can't wait, man. I'm I'm excited for this team, but there's not really much more to say. I, I mean. Matt knows I'll talk about the Grizzlies every three weeks, basically, on this on this show. So there'll be more Grizzlies in the future. Every three weeks, bro, you talk about them every day if you can. You Look, you're wearing the hat, <laughs> man. You are wearing a Grizzlies hat on our show. So, um, yeah, man. Um, honestly, I again, I think this is a really exciting division. At least three of the teams, um, I, I believe, are definitely going to be playoff contention and maybe even challenge for, you know, contender status yeah um you know with 
with the Grizzlies losing to the Warriors, with Dallas making the Western Conference Finals and losing to the Warriors. Like you could say the two of them are already in there, and I think the Pelicans are, are going to prove this year that they're definitely in that class as well, man. Um, but I think that wraps it up for the, the Southwest division, man. I mean, filled with some superstars, could add even more uh, with your bottom feeders, you know, Victor Wembanyama. who knows? Um, do you want to talk anything else about the NBA or... The only thing that I really want to bring up is that apparently the Jazz and the Knicks have renewed their talks for Donovan Mitchell. Do we talk about it? No, not really. Until it actually happens, then we'll break it down. The Jazz are a weird team. Hey, maybe we'll talk about that division next week, but probably not. We probably won't talk about either of these teams next week. Well, I mean, like, Mitchell's, like, the biggest trade piece out there outside of Kevin Durant, and I feel like I think we talked about it last week. I I feel like his market is being held up because Kevin Durant isn't, you know, isn't falling and at the end of the day like i think kevin durant's gonna get less than donovan mitchell because he's in his he's entering his prime and you know danny ainge proved with the rudy gobert trade that he's willing to hold out for a huge a huge 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 package so uh, i showed you know, uh i showed austin the trade package uh just yesterday for rudy gobert and he was like what and i was like yeah that's why katie's hasn't been traded he's like makes so much sense now because it is ridiculous but yeah that's nothing's happening until katie gets moved and katie's probably not getting moved oh man that's it's such a wild thing to think about man the fact that he has publicly called out the gm and the coach the fact that nobody is really willing to offer them you know what they think kevin durant is worth um but again like i i say this with home prices man like your house is only worth what somebody's willing to pay you. And Kevin Durant is only worth what the other teams are willing to give you. And, like, for them to ask the Celtics for both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, that's a joke. Like, for them to be so stuck on the fact that we need to give up Scotty Barnes, like, no. And, like, the fact that, like, the Pelicans wouldn't give up Brandon Ingram, who I'll take Scotty Barnes over Brandon Ingram any day of the week at this point. And, like... What are they going to get at this point? Like, just take Pascal Siakam in a first and call it a day. Give us Kevin Durant. We'll win a championship. You can say that you had some kind of part in it. Um, and you guys, they'll probably be the seventh or or sixth seed with Pascal Siakam. It's, you know? It's a wild situation. And when you, when you think about the, the trade market in general, it really is, you know, you're used to trading for the player. You're used to thinking about the value of the player. But when you get to this level of superstardom that we've seen in the past few years you're not trading for the player anymore you're trading more than what that other team over there can trade for the player because that's where it comes to at this point in time there's only so many assets the team can hold we're not all okc with you know 18 draft picks to throw around right so giddy's not getting moved and, and and at least for the raptors i'm happy about that because the the longer this goes on the more and more i realize that kevin Durant is not worth it for us dude no he's Unless, unless we're giving up Pascal Siakam in a first round pick, and that's all that it costs us, he doesn't. He he's not going to provide us a long, sustainable winning uh, window that we want. And with Pascal, maybe you know our window isn't as open as it would be with Kevin Durant right now. But I mean, with Scotty hopefully developing into the superstar that we you know believe him to be, that window is going to be propped up for the next at least ten years yeah so and if we draft well if we develop well you know like i think the sky's the limits for our team bro i mean i, I would still take uh gary 
and OG just for the Grievous Vasquez memes. But all jokes aside, we have such a good contract situation for our boys. We've got a great contract in OG, and I know we locked up for years. We've got Boucher on a good contract. Scotty's locked up till 24-25 on his rookie deal. You know, the worst situation we have right now is that Gary and OG, or sorry, Gary and Fred are, you know, coming into player options. And, but, and Pascal. And Pascal is also getting close. So, like, we have to the next the year or two to really figure out who matters, what's going to be our important pieces, and who is locked in and ready to stay. And, you know, the mumblings of, you know, the fan base being upset and worried for Gary and the fact that Gary's in a contract year and so he's going to be like, gimme, 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 I want all those shots. Sure, that's what a contract year does to people. But also, like, the mentality that we have as an organization and as a team and, and the camaraderie that the boys have together, I have hope that that's not going to be the direction that Gary goes. Well, I think um, if I'm going to throw it to Precious Achua's agent who said, you know what we do as an organization has really enabled precious to feel supported and to feel like it's a family i think that'll hopefully help with the whole gary trent contract situation you know he's going to feel like this is my team this is where i want to be this is these are the players that i want to develop and build what golden state has done i think yeah having golden state as this you know model franchise for the last seven ten years has been perfect for the nba because it's really driven home the fact that you don't necessarily need to be the biggest market yes california has a ton of people but san francisco specifically was not ever really necessarily like the premier market of the nba um you and like toronto's a big market but you can develop with your team and then become this you know legendary dynasty and I honestly believe that we have that potential with these players. We can develop, you know, for the next four or five years and, and become that juggernaut. Scotty, Gary Trent, Precious, OG. Like, and as Pascal and Fred age out, like, hopefully we can, you know, get some new players in. And, uh, buddy, I think we talk about this also every week. But at the end of the day, I think, one, next year we're going to be a top four team in the Eastern Conference. And for the next five years i don't think we fall below fourth in the eastern conference when you talk about confident when you talk about our ceiling of potentially a healthy team of course anyone who knows anything right like you think about the number of players that are giving scotty his due that are giving pascal his due even right In, in recent days we have a lot of good and a lot of potential and i just want to see Positivity. I want to see the boys lock in together and, and build that chemistry. I want the best of everything, right? I want the Golden State Dynasty. I want the, the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, brotherhood type of situation. Like, I really just want to see more success from this team. And if everyone is willing to lock in and they are willing to throw the, the contract situation out the window, throw the stats out the window, because the front office has proven that, you know, if you're willing to lock in, play defense and show up, you're going to get your money. Right, the fact that Fred is you know potentially sign a not a max extension but a max available to him extension because of what he's done for us, and that is the prime example of someone who is an undrafted player who came in, bet on himself, and proved that he was willing to do what it took for the organization. If that's not the best example for Gary, I just don't know what else to say. Right? Yeah, and and like you said, man, we've proven that we'll pay you. We'll proven that we'll give you what your value is. Um, you know, people would probably say that we overpaid Fred um, when we signed him. Uh, even 
when we signed Gary Trent Jr., people were calling that a little bit of an overpayment. I mean, it proved out to be a, a fabulous contract this yeah. year. But at the end of the day, right, like, oh, gee, some people think it's a little bit too high. When we paid Pascal, they th- they said it was too early. But, you know, we, we've proven that if you're going to be committed to our organization, we will commit to you. And I think, you know, Gary Trent's going to buy into it. I think we're going to have Precious buy into it. And at the end of the day, I think Scotty's the player with the longest-term contract that we have, and then we have his RFA rights. And at the end of the day, like, that is – that's what we need. He's he's the main piece that we're going to be building around for the next 10 years, by and large, for sure. Barring a major injury, that max rookie extension will be offered to Scotty the minute it is available to be done. Masai and co. know what they're doing. And also, we have all of our draft picks. Matt talks about how we're going to need to potentially add people as our older veterans start to phase out. You know, we consider that Thad's going to go in a couple years. You know, Boucher isn't going to be able to just be that guy who's always around. But and we he's have sneaky so old. much. He's, he's 28, 29 years old. And, and I'm like, sneaky old. He's, he's my age, basically, at this point in time. <laughs> crazy, crazy to think about. Oh my gosh. But yeah, we have draft capital of our own. And we've always proven that we can do what we can with our own draft picks right so we don't need to rely on somebody else being bad to give us a a a late first round pick right so uh the future is bright for this team and the raptors i just want basketball i just want to see the boys get together and play like thankfully we have rico Hines and things dude next year if we uh you know get bounced in the third round or the second round and our draft in 24th overall who's to say that we can't find another pascal siakam or og ananobi because we've done it before you know, 22 and 27, I think, were the picks that we used on those. So you average that out. That's 24, right? Like, nailed it. <laughs> Absolutely. This guy remembering his math from elementary school. So proud of you, man. So proud of you. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. But anything else? We, we got, you got more for the Raptors? Nah, man. I think we're good to, to wrap up the Raptors. Uh, uh, I was going to say, could... we could talk about Jalen Harris being reinstated, but, like, will it matter? I mean, we have first dibs. Is he going to push the needle? Could could no. be good. It could be another Terrence Davis situation. So like, who knows, right? <laughs> Dude, that that was not good situation. You know that, right? Like, it was not a good situation. Uh, the struggles. All right. Well, that's it for me, my guy. Man, let's talk about um, maybe a, a hot take or a mystic prediction for this division. Um, I said it earlier, but I I honestly believe you know it's going to be a repeat of last year. Dallas, Memphis, New Orleans, all in the playoffs. Um, I'll even say all of them went around. Ooh, wow. That would be very spicy. The Southwest takeover at the end of the day. But, you know, we, 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 like love, to make, we love to make takes when we, we talk about divisions. We like to keep it in the division. Last year, I was over here talking about how Ja was going to lead Memphis to the playoffs. He did it handily. So, I'm going to double down. Matt knows I like to double down. You know, it helped me get Brady all the way to a championship. But I'm going to double down on Ja. I'm going to double down on the Grizzlies. They're going to win this division. They're going to get ahead of Luka. They're going to be a top two team in the West once again. Jaw is here to stay, man. I'm pumped for this Grizzlies team. Hey, man, I believe you. Absolutely. Didn't last year, but do this year. <laughs> man had no faith. He was like, ah, Jaw, he, he had that sophomore slump. He ain't coming back. Well, I proved you wrong, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, I'm obviously dumb. What are you do? Not true. This guy has a lot of intelligence. I can't take that away from you. But anything Thanks. else this week, my friend? Anything else you got going on? No, you're good to take us out. Beautiful. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. (laughs) Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up, whatever you need, and check out TheBoardSports.net. 
for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.